Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. My name is Daryl McMullen, and this is a show where we discuss how we can rise above the human condition. We address topics that we all wrestle with because we're all human. And together we look for more positive ways to respond to the world around us. Thank you for joining us on the journey. We hope today's topic is exactly what you need for the week ahead. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Can you believe it is already May? May 3rd, 2021. You know, you look back and you think 2020 was just a blur. I mean, it was such a crazy, chaotic period of time with so many changes and so many crazy things going on that I think we all just looked at 2021 as as the savior of something or in some way. Like, as long as we can get to 2021, everything's going to be fine. And on some level, it is. I mean, the the pandemic is slowly working itself through, um, you know, with vaccinations and and just it running its course. I think, you know, it, it seems to be on the way out. Although you hear about the variants and then that, you know, just brings up a whole new can of worms. Um, I think in India right now, they're suffering tremendously. Um, partly because they don't have, they don't have the infrastructure. They have this new variant, and they just don't have the level of vaccinations that the rest of the world is trying to get out. Um, and that's where we're at, 2021. We're quite a ways in, but we're still still dealing with 2020 problems. In terms of school and kids. I mean, it's just going to play itself out, right? The rest of the year, it's going to be the same for for us. I don't know how it'll be for you. I know that a lot of younger kids, elementary kids, um, have started going back to school full-time. But if your kids are in high school, college, I mean, it's pretty much just going to stay the way it is for the rest of the year. So we'll move into the summer, um, do the summer thing, and then hopefully in the fall, we'll get back to to whatever normal is going to be for us for a while. So that's the intro. Let's go into our minute of transparency. I'm just going to call this back in our day. So for those of you who have kids, um, have you ever watched your child do something and then just immediately compared it to the way that you would have done it back in your day? I mean, surely you can relate to that, right? This is where those funny stories come from. You know the ones. Back when I was a kid, I had to walk to school. It was three miles to school. I had to walk uphill both ways, and there was often two feet of snow on the ground. Oh, and I had to carry my book bag, which weighed close to 60 pounds. Unfortunately, this is often our default mode of functioning. Uh, But just like the story suggests, we aren't really thinking clearly. I mean, you can't go uphill both ways, right? Not possible. So why do we say things like that then? Aside from it being funny, and the fact that every parent has used that story with their kids at some point, right? Well, I would suggest that we use stories like this all the time. And even if we're not trying to pass them off to our kids as the gospel truth, we're probably telling ourselves those stories in our heads. And why do we do that? Well, because we're trying to make sense of something that either we can't understand or we don't want to remember. So let's look at both of those realities. 
first, things we can't understand. So it's hard to admit this, but we were not raised like our kids were raised, right? It's just not apples to apples. In fact, it's not even apples to oranges. They're like mangoes or passion fruit or something exotic that costs an arm and a leg at Trader Joe's. I mean, the parenting styles were different. The cultures we grew up in were different. Education is different. Technology is different. Definitely different. And the pressure our kids are under is 10 times what we experienced. Because of this, we can't possibly understand what it is that they're going through. And we can't even make assumptions and correlations about their behavior based off the way we think we would have behaved at that age. Then throw in COVID and you have the perfect storm. Not only are they hard to understand because we've grown up different, but now they're forced to navigate a world under a blanket of fear and anxiety. Number two, things we don't want to remember. So I don't know about you, but my memory is selective. It's partly on me, right? Choosing how I want to remember my past, but there's some biology there too. Our brains want to block out the things Um, in order, the bad things, I mean, the really bad things our brain wants to block out in order to protect us from undue pain and stress in the present day. But those memories aren't gone. In fact, if you would just slow down for two minutes, stop what you're doing and force yourself to think back, they'll start to take shape. And very quickly, you'll be reminded why you choose not to think about them because these are things that you don't want to remember. They may be things that happened to you. They may be things that happened to friends or family members, possibly things you did to other people. But whatever they are, they aren't good things. So why am I bringing this up? Well, let's just say that it's been fresh on my mind this week. So my wife and I were put in one of those no-win situations. Uh, And I say no-win because if you say yes to your child you're basically opening the door to potential danger. If you say no, then your kids are mad at you, which we can handle, um, so that's really not the issue. The main issue for us is that we're in that awkward transition period. You know the one, where you're starting to hand things off to your teenager, handing off responsibilities so that they can try new things, so they can fail, so they can learn how to handle things responsibly in the future. Otherwise, you're keeping the responsibility in a suitcase until they turn 18 and are ready to leave the house. And then you hand them the suitcase as they're walking out the door. And you're like, here, here's 100% responsibility. Go figure it out. This is literally one of the biggest mistakes parents can make raising their kids. So back to the story. This was the ask. Uh, I know it's late, but uh, the crew wants to go out cruising for a while. Can we just go out and hang out for an hour or so? Now, this is a pretty regular ask, and we've said no on multiple occasions as we don't really know the kids, or maybe it's because we know too much about the kids. But this time we decided uh, we couldn't say no forever, and so we let him go. In our heads, we just pictured them driving up and down Pacific Coast Highway, enjoying the ocean air, the breeze, etc., etc. And then came the phone call. Instead of driving up and down Pacific Coast Highway, they were actually in the canyon, and there had been an accident. As it turns out, you know, there's this thing his friends like to do called driving the canyon, or more accurately, racing the canyon. 
Now, his friends have a variety of cars. They aren't exotic cars by any stretch, but they're fun, and they've been modified for speed, performance, blah, 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 right? They're, there are American muscle cars, pickup trucks, four and two-seaters, convertibles, you name it. And the goal, apparently, is to see how fast you can get from point A to point B, with the winding canyon road in the middle somewhere. Needless to say, uh, one of the cars, a Mazda Miata convertible, wound up crashing, flipping over, and taking out a telephone pole in the process. The two teenage boys inside um, were just caught in an upside-down convertible. Now, from what we understand, speed was a factor. Maybe 80 in a 35, maybe 100 in a 35. Who knows? But apparently God had other things for these boys to accomplish in life because the passenger literally got out of the car somehow and walked away. The driver remained pinned in the car until paramedics came. Uh, But at this point, from what we understand, both are doing well, considering. Now let's get back to the back in my day part of this whole story. So as an adult, your immediate thoughts tend to be, how could you be so naive? See what happens when we let you go out with your group of friends? Surely you knew this was going to happen. And then you throw in this one. I just can't imagine I would have done that when I was your age. Wait, what? Did you really just say that? Even if it was just in your head? Let's think back honestly to what you did when you were his age. And then the truth comes flooding in. The truth that there were so many dangerous things that you did that you can't even remember them all. Things like this, sneaking out at night, breaking into buildings, shooting off illegal fireworks and being busted by the police, driving 130 miles an hour with a friend on I-94, and then getting pulled over by the Michigan State Police, who almost took us to jail for reckless endangerment, taking my parents' pickup truck out four-wheel driving without their consent through the vineyards of Michigan, and unfortunately breaking something in the suspension. Uh, Testing the limits of the family car and winding up off of the road with two tires completely off the vehicle. Seeing how fast my motorcycles could go. Apparently one of them can go over 160 miles an hour. Who knew? And these are just things that popped into my head as I was writing. I'm really scared to see the list I could come up with if I really tried. All this to say, there are many things we choose not to remember. Probably because we don't want to remember them. And in the heat of the moment, when your 16-year-old tells you he was racing in the canyon and one of the cars flipped over and his friends were almost killed, you really have two choices. First, you can lie to yourself and act like they are so different and that you would have never made those decisions. You would have made better ones. Or number two, you can be honest with yourself and admit that some of your behavior may have been even more dangerous. Needless to say, it was a a difficult weekend, but I'm happy to say that everyone is okay, and it was a learning experience for all of us. Now, I'd love to say that this dovetails perfectly into our topic for today, but it doesn't at all. Um, It was simply top of mind since it had just happened, um, and it's what we've been dealing with for the past few days. So today, we're going to focus on pop culture and how we can transcend the gravitational pull that it has on us. Today's topic, transcending pop culture, and we're going to talk about three things. First, this race is for rats. Two, the fad versus the freedom ratio. And three, searching for contentment. Number one, this race is for rats. 
So we've been doing this whole podcast thing for what, 15 months now? In fact, I think this is like the 60th episode. Sometimes I can't even believe we've gotten that far in. Uh, but one thing I've learned is that you can use words or you can define words. And defining them often opens an entirely new way of thinking because each of us brings our own definition to the table, right? Even if the definition is wrong or only half right, it's what we bring to the table. So when we define a word or a concept, it can actually help us see things that we would miss. And this was totally true for me when I looked up the definition of rat race. So my personal definition, the one I brought to the table, was largely centered around the concept of stress, right? Overworking and being stressed out because of that work. But according to the Cambridge Dictionary, you can define rat race in the following way. A way of life in modern society in which people compete with each other for power and money. Interesting, right? How the actual definition adds so much more flavor. Unique elements that I just didn't have in my definition. Things like modern society. The fact that this is a new thing, a recent phenomenon that exists because of the culture that we create for ourselves. The concept of a way of life. The whole idea that we can get so caught up in this, so caught up in the rat race, that we start to view it as life itself, just as the way our things are supposed to be. The idea of competition, right? The idea that we're caught up in a personal struggle, not just a personal struggle, but the fact that we're actually basing our success on the failures of others. And then the final concepts of money and power. The idea that the thing that we're really after is fame and fortune, getting more, having more, being more than others. Crazy, right? I mean, that was a whole lot more detail than I had in my personal definition, which was just focused on being stressed out from working too hard. So this is the definition that I want us to keep in the back of our minds during this episode. As we discuss pop culture, I want to think of it through the lens of the rat race and to get comfortable with the fact that pop culture just might be an element of the rat race, right? Maybe it's a subliminal little thing that happens on some level, or maybe it's a blatant thing that's very easy to recognize. But either way, pop culture may not be the simple, fun, trendy thing that it, it appears to be. So let's jump in and define pop culture. According to dictionary.com, what we're really looking at is a definition of popular culture, of which pop culture is a simplification. And the definition goes like this. Cultural activities or commercial products reflecting, suited to, or aimed at the tastes of the general masses of people. So again, if we pull out the interesting elements of this definition, we see things like activities, or things that we take part in, products, so things we buy, sign up for, or pay for on a regular basis, reflecting, suited to, or aimed at. So these are three interesting clarifications. Basically, <laughs> that these things exist because they reflect the wants and desires of, of people right? That they're suited for them or because so many people are doing it that that people or companies or organizations are actually aiming them at us, almost like a gun, uh, because they know that we're primed for them in some way. And then the last concept is the masses or the masses of people. 
So this whole idea that we're doing these things or buying these things because everyone else is doing it or buying them. Again, interesting to break out what is really meant by the term pop culture. And I don't know about you, but I think my personal definition was actually pretty spot on when it comes to pop culture. In fact, my definition actually went beyond the words and actually, um, you know, I had immediate images flashing into my mind of products, musicians, movies, plays, etc. Because we've all been impacted by pop culture on some level. And I think we're pretty good at recognizing it for what it is. Now, I don't want to spend a bunch of time on specific elements of pop culture in our day because pop culture is what it is. It's very transient, right? Pop culture changes all the time. This is where phrases like, that was so last week, or that was so 2020 came from. These ideas that, um, you know, things that were popular were popular, but aren't anymore because change happens quickly. And just because something was popular a year ago doesn't mean it's going to be popular today. Another phrase we use is the new black phrase. So the TV series Orange is the New Black plays off of this concept. Uh, But the basic idea is this. You're explaining that something has moved from obscurity to popularity. So for example, a clothing designer says, brown is the new black. What they're saying is that brown has become a popular color, a staple this year, the way that black has always been a staple in clothing design. Now, all phrases are basically trying to capture this idea that popularity is conditional and that it changes very quickly. So like I said, we're not going to talk specifics, but let's talk in generalizations, right? Let's talk about buckets that most pop culture elements fall into. So the definition suggested activities and products. So we'll just start with those activities. So this could be things like social media, music, movies, sports, video games, politics, especially in recent history, uh, conspiracy theories, online shopping, Uh, you name it. These are all activities that um, have a level of popularity in our culture. Next up, you have products. So having the right clothes, the right house in the right neighborhood, in the right school system, the right car, the right brand of computer or smartphone, the right TV. What are we up to now anyways? 100-inch TVs that are 8K or something? Crazy. Uh, the right exercise platforms. So do you have a Peloton, a Tonal? Do you have the mirror? Do you have hydro? Notice I'm saying the right a lot. That's because unlike activities where we're simply involved in something with products, it's a lot more about having the product or making sure it's the right one, the one that everybody else will view as cool or popular. Now this list could go on forever, literally, and Amazon is there to make sure that it does. Next, you have spirituality or causes. Now, I threw this one in just because it interested me. These could probably all be clumped under activities if you really look at it. Um, But I wanted to pull them out just for the effect. So first up, spirituality. Uh, There's no doubt that there have been spiritual movements that actually became part of pop culture. Just to name a few. There was the Scientology craze, thanks to Tom Cruise, John Travolta, and others. Uh, The Kabbalah, thanks to Madonna and a group of Hollywood elites at that time. And those were just the flavors of the day. Uh, At any point in time, 
in Hollywood, you know, it could be even Judaism or Christianity um, that are trending as the religious belief system of the day. Next up, causes. So we've always had causes and people willing to stand up for a cause, but not like we see it today. I mean, the truth is that the younger generation today is actually pushing back against some of the traditional pop culture elements that that we would assume to be pop culture elements. And instead, they're asking questions like, but what do you stand for? Are you helping your community? Are you preserving the environment? Are you an equal opportunity employer? Et cetera, et cetera. They really seem like they want to change the world. It's as if they've been there, done that, and they just aren't happy with the pop culture norms that we have in place. But the fascinating part to me is this. Because this is the outcry of a generation, I feel like it's actually becoming pop culture to them. It's the thing the masses are doing. And dare I say, it can be competitive at times. Just look at social media. It feels like people are fighting to have the most cause-related posts out there, to be the first one to post, to be the the one who posts the most edgy content, uh, the one to post other famous people's posts, to be the one who can pull multiple causes into one post and get more bang for their buck. Now, this isn't all bad, right? I mean, if an entire generation is speaking out against racism, against pollution, how can that be bad? And I agree. If all these conversations lead to societal change in these areas, then I'm all for it. I guess the danger is that the conversations are just that, conversations, part of the new pop culture, but nothing more. Uh, An easy bandwagon to jump on, requiring very little investment of time and energy. But I digress. That almost felt like a soapbox there for a second. And... Doesn't that just tie into the the minute of transparency from this episode? Uh, It was almost like I was saying, well, back in our day, though hopefully that isn't the way it is, um, hopefully that's not the way I'm approaching the younger generation, because we need to be open and we need to listen. We weren't raised the same way they were raised. We don't live in the world they live in. And we didn't have access to the technology the way that they do. Life is so different. Um, And so they should be different right? It's a good thing. Number two, the fad versus freedom principle. So this section of the episode is going to be pretty short. Uh, What I want to do is just present a theory or a principle or a formula, if you will, to describe the way pop culture impacts us. Simply put, I'm suggesting that pop culture and freedom are inversely proportional things. So something is said to be inversely proportional when one side increases and the other decreases. That said, the following statements should be true. The more involved you are in pop culture, the less freedom you will enjoy or feel. The less involved you are in pop culture, the more freedom you should feel or enjoy. Now, before you write me off completely, let me clarify. There is nothing wrong with pop culture. I'm not suggesting that we all become Amish, remove electricity from our lives, and experience amazing amounts of freedom, though that would be a pretty interesting study to be part of. But remember how we started this episode, right? We talked about the rat race and how pop culture plays a significant role in the racing around that we do. And that's really the filter that I'm asking you to look through. 
Now, it's obvious that we're all involved with pop culture on some level, right? We live with pop culture. It walks down our street. It drives by our house. It goes to our schools. It works with us at the office. It wants to be friends with us. It enters our house through mail, email, television, radio. Uh, If you're connected to the internet, you are in a relationship with pop culture, whether you like it or not. That said, it's still up to us how involved we want to be. And that's really where the formula comes in. So let me illustrate with two stories. First, pretend you're a high school student. And if you are one, just look at your life right now. I'm going to assume a few things. You're searching for independence. You're trying to figure out who you are. Uh, This leads to posturing, right? Having to look a certain way, act a certain way, wear the right clothes, listen to the right music, uh, be seen in the right places with the right people. Uh, There's typically a level of fear or anxiety because of this situation. A lot of time and energy is spent put into studying pop culture at this age because you need to understand it in order to navigate it with your peers. And there's a level of sadness and depression that can set in when you feel left out or you feel like you can't measure up to what the popular view is in your group or in your school or, you know, just in the the culture that's around you. Second, pretend you're a 50-year-old like me. And if you are, I feel your pain and I apologize now. But it is what it is. Now, I'm not going to assume anything here because I am 50, so I'm simply going to explain my situation because I'm living in it. Now, I'm not searching for independence. I know who I am. Uh, I've given up on posturing. I still like nice things. I still have my favorite things, but I no longer have them in order to be accepted or feel accepted or fit in in any way. Uh, I don't live in fear or anxiety. I've stopped making sure that I know everything going on in the world. I scroll Instagram, but haven't made the transition to TikTok, for example. I know, so old school, right? And what I'm finding is that most of my sadness and depression comes as a byproduct of being too connected to technology and not connecting enough with the real world around me. Now I know, these are two very stereotypical illustrations, right? Results may vary. Uh, There are numerous scenarios in high school, and there are kids who are impacted differently than I described. Likewise, not every 50-year-old will report the same life experience that I am reporting. And that's fine, but this doesn't change the fact that the formula is still valid. So I threw out two very stereotypical scenarios because I want you to see it from the freedom perspective. I think you would agree that the high school student described is living in slavery on some level, right? Hopelessly chained to a system that is not their friend. Pop culture changes day by day, and trying to pin your identity on it is just painful. In my situation, there is a level of freedom, or at least a higher level of it, because I've backed off of pop culture, backed off the train, and found value and meaning in other things. And that's really the theory in the nutshell. The less you're caught up in pop culture, the greater the freedom you will experience. Let me say that again. The formula in a nutshell is, the less you are caught up in pop culture, the greater the freedom you will experience. Now, don't get me wrong. I still struggle with it, right? Just not at the same level that I used to. And looking back, I can see the formula play out pretty well. 
as a teenager, I did feel trapped at times, and freedom was kind of an illusion. At 50, I feel a much higher level of freedom, and I'm feeling less trapped by the culture around me. But the funny thing is this, I can see it ebb and flow based on my behavior. The more I think about the things that the world tells me are important, the less freedom I feel. And the more I focus on God or my wife or my kids and my family, the passions that he's put within me for writing and things like that, the more freedom I feel in return. Number three, searching for contentment. So to wrap things up, let's just swap out two of the words, right? Let's get rid of the word freedom that we just used. And in in its place, let's use the word contentment. Because at the end of the day, what we're choosing is to be content. And in a roundabout way, we experience a whole new level of freedom when we find contentment. When we get to the place where we're able to identify what it takes to achieve this freedom, we feel lighter, less worry, uh, we can see the forest for the trees, and we're able to be that much more productive. You can engage in pop culture and still be content, but only to a point, and only you can determine what that point is. So if you're feeling stressed out, anxious, tense, depressed, jealous, unseen, Maybe it's because too much of your focus is on pop culture. Maybe you're caught up in the rat race, doing all the things our culture tells us is important. Maybe you're doing all the things culture tells you you have to do to be popular, accepted, and successful. Maybe you've given up some of your freedom for the lies our culture is telling us. But if that's true, and you know it's true, you're in a good place because knowing is half the battle. And knowing this about yourself will help you take steps away from pop culture to the things that really do matter. Now I know this is hard, and it's actually a lot harder for some of us than others. The younger you are, stereotypically, the stronger the pull pop culture will have on you. And as an adult, if you haven't done the hard work to try to understand yourself and your worth, you may feel that same pull just as hard. But in either scenario, there is a next step that you can take, and it all has to do with getting your priorities lined up. Maybe it looks something like this. Step one, understand your value. Not value because you're keeping up with pop culture, but value because you are created by a loving God who loves you just the way you are. Step two, understand your role. So once you understand your true value, then you will live differently. You can hold your head high because you have value no matter what the label is on your clothing, no matter what car you drive, no matter where you live. And you will learn to view others in the same way, as valuable children of God, no matter how popular they are in society, accepting people who don't fit the pop culture mold. Step three, understand the balance. So if you've made it through the first two steps, then you're ready to engage pop culture. Not by diving in head first, as this can derail you from the great progress that you've already made. But at this stage, you should understand pop culture for what it is. And you should be able to balance it out in your life, right? You still watch television, you can still scan social media, still buy popular products, but at this point, it should be from a whole different vantage point. You're able to find the value in the activity or product 
without letting it determine your value. And if needed, you can let it go because you see the negative influence it's having on your life. You should be strong enough to cut it off and say, I don't need this anymore in my life. So let's land the plane. This week, wrestle with the following questions. What does your rat race look like? Number two, does it include an unhealthy level of pop culture attraction? Number three, Do you long for the freedom that comes with being content? If you do long for contentment, but you just aren't really feeling it right now, maybe try this. Write the three steps we talked about down on a three by five card and put it somewhere in your life where you will see it on a regular basis, maybe in your kitchen, in your car on the dash, but put it somewhere where you'll see it on the regular. Then read them over each time you see the card and slowly begin to practice contentment. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, That was definitely as much for my benefit as it was for yours. Um, I think we all struggle with pop culture, living in the rat race and feeling like, you know, we're, we're caught in a trap and that we're just trying to keep up in order to be somebody. But luckily, we know that that isn't true. We just need to keep reinforcing it over and over and over to ourselves. We are valuable regardless of whether or not we're keeping up with pop culture. Until next time, have a great week. Stop racing the rats and keep transcending human. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find additional content as well as ways to contact us and links to our social media channels. Thanks again for subscribing to the show, and we'll see you again real soon.